Well, good morning again. It's good to be with you. I didn't introduce myself before, but if you are new or newer, or maybe you've been here a couple weeks, my name is Pastor K. Paul, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. And I'm going to invite you, uh, as we begin the message this morning, to pray with me. If you would bow your heads, let's just begin with prayer as we hear from God's words together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the, the wonderful work that you're doing in the lives of our people and our church. And I'm just so touched and moved by how your spirit is mightily at work in parents and husbands and wives and children and teenagers and the youth and our young adults. God, you are on the move and we're thankful we get to join you in your work. This morning, we lift up Zion Bethel Missionary Baptist on Coleric Street in Fort Wayne and Pastor Devin DeBase. We lift up the churches of Fort Wayne. We lift up the gospel. We pray that the gospel would be preached with clarity and with power this morning and in the mornings to come. Lord Jesus, use the local church in Fort Wayne to bring revival, to bring hope, and to bring freedom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you this morning as we celebrate our risen king, our risen king, King Jesus. Amen? If you are new, as I'd mentioned, we mean this when we say we are truly better because you are here. We have been in a series in the book of First Peter since the beginning of the year. And today we find ourselves in chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Here we see one of the most powerful statements in the Bible that captures this amazing weekend. In fact, it's the title of our message today. Peter shares that love covers over a multitude of sins. My wife has been teaching our kids this amazing truth with what, it, what is called Easter gardens. You might notice in this picture, we're going to show you here, uh, a stone and a flower pot representing the grave. And so the stone through the week was rolled to the side and, and, and inside is the flower pot representing the, the tomb. In the week leading up to Easter, our kids have been writing down sins in their life and placing them in the grave. So at one point, Sam, our five-year-old, saw Asher, his little brother, do something naughty. Believe it or not, those things happen in our house. He saw him do something naughty and immediately he went up to his mom and said, Asher needs to take that one to the grave. (laughs) So after our Good Friday service, uh, they took those rocks and placed them in front of the grave. When my wife asked what happens next to our children, Quinn said, our sins will be gone. I'm thinking, man, these kids of mine are really getting it. While I'm thinking this, Quinn finishes his thought with, our sins will be gone, the tomb will be empty, and now it's full of Easter candy. (laughs) Someone started clapping for that one. Well, at first I thought, you know, we probably still have some work to do, right? But then I realized Quinn, my eight-year-old son, is on to something. You see, I think for many of us, we too, like Quinn, many of us in the room watching online, we could say, the tomb is empty. We can come here this morning and say, my sins are gone. We can say this. And maybe we're not filling the tomb with candy, but I do think we are quick to fill it in with other things, like busyness. We get away from this weekend and we can say, the tomb is empty, my sins are gone, and yet we fill our lives right after this weekend with crazy schedules, 
We fill our lives with addictions. We, we'll fill it with toxic relationships. We'll fill our lives with these things. And so my goal today is clear. I have two things I would like to share with you and I hope you walk away with. Two things. First, I'd love to show you those that have given their life to Jesus. And maybe some of you haven't given your life to Jesus. And I love that you're here. We love you. But there's two things I want to show you. First, I want to show you how to take care of your salvation. I want to, I want to show you through God's word, through Peter's teaching to us, how to take care of your salvation, of this beautiful gift that God's given us through his son, Jesus. So that's the first. This is a hope-filled life. You'll see that in the next picture. My wife uh, showed me the before and after this week, and I just thought, you guys, you guys got to see this next picture. Because on the outside, do we see, is, it, is it up there? Can we show that? On the outside, you'll see on the rock, hope. You see that? And inside is a, a bracelet that says, he is risen. And so let this be a picture, a reminder that what Christ did for us, it now fills our life with hope and with the resurrection power of Jesus. And so my first goal is to show you how to take care of your salvation. And secondly, my goal is to show you how to live a life defined by love that covers over a multitude of sins, that kind of life. A life, please hear me, that embodies the love of God that covered the sins of the world and a life defined by that kind of love that covers over a multitude of sins in your neighborhood, in your marriages, in your schools. So Peter begins the passage today with a statement that I believe is where we have to start. He says, look at your Bibles, chapter four, verse seven, look on the screens. Peter says, the end of all things is near. Now, if you're like me, you might think, well, this was written 2,000 years ago. And so did Peter get it wrong? I would argue that Peter and the people he was writing to did not get it wrong, but maybe had a greater perspective on eternity. So answer this, what is 2,000 years in light of eternity? I would also encourage all of us to consider that we are not called to figure out the time of Christ's return, but we are called to live as if he could return any time. We are called to live as if our lives right now count for eternity. We are to live lives where we believe that our life matters for eternal things. In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, you matter to eternity. Some of you are going, I've never heard that before. Your life counts for eternal things. Your life counts for things of eternal value. So with this, you might see in your notes this morning, if you have a bulletin, you might see this phrase. If we are to live as if now counts for eternity, we are to have a perspective of eternity. We are to live in the shadow of eternity. So if you are taking notes, you'll notice this phrase, to live in the shadow of eternity, we must, verse 7. The first fill-in is this, we must take care of our mind. We must take care of our mind. Peter says, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. We must take care of our minds. The NIV 84 translation says it this way, the end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded. The truth is, friends, what you fill your mind with will determine what you fill your life with. It's as simple as that. 
So what you fill your mind with after this weekend is what your life will be about. What you give your life to in your thoughts is what your life will become. This is why we must, and listen to this, this is a demand. This isn't a suggestion from Peter. It's a demand from the Apostle Peter. He says, take care of your mind. Now, something we've tried to embody here at Avalon is mental health. Because we want to take care of our minds. And the other day, I saw the entire staff team. Guys, this is, this is true. I was looking out my window, and the entire staff team is walking down the sidewalk. And I thought, it, it's, it's all over. They've walked out on me. <laughs> it's done, right? And come to find out later, they shared with me that they were doing such great work to get ready for this weekend and to get ready for some amazing ministry in our church. And they were all just like, you know what? We need a mental health break. And you know what they did? They walked out, walked around the block, they came back and they kept going. And that's an important lesson for us to learn because many of us, we're filling our minds with things that don't take care of us. And we must take care of our mind. If you want to live a life filled with the things of God, we must take care of our minds. Mental health. Secondly, Peter says, look at this. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. If you're taking notes, write this down. The second thing is, if you want to take care of your salvation, we must take care of our sobriety. What an interesting word to use here. We must take care of our sobriety. Sobriety is really a good word that Peter uses. Many of us, we immediately think, well, that must mean alcohol or some kind of drug. And that is true. And I would also add, and, and maybe have you consider, have you ever thought about how drunk we get on Netflix? This is at the point of the service where people stop making eye contact with me. <laughs> have you ever considered that we get drunk on food? Have you ever considered that we get drunk on, in my case, I get drunk on worry? Have you ever considered that in many cases we get drunk on, did you know you can get drunk on social media? We get drunk on success. We get drunk on money. We, 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 our mind is filled with the things of this world, and then the things of this world make us drunk. And, and Peter's calling it out today, and if you were to take care of your salvation, and I am to take care of mine, we, we must have clear minds, and we must take care of our sobriety. Please hear me this morning. The devil wants you to get drunk on any of these things. He doesn't care how it happens. He just wants you drunk. Because he knows that if this is where you are living your life, it will mean far less to things of eternal value. So what does he want? He wants a bunch of drunk people. Drunk on Netflix, drunk on worry, drunk on the things of this world. So friends, hear me, we must take care of our sobriety. Number three, if you're note-taking, we must take care of our prayer life. He says in this verse, therefore be alert and be sober Have a clear mind so that you can pray. (laughs) Prayer is so much more, hear me, than a conduit at which we get things from God. He's not a slot machine God. He's not a vending machine God. He is the life source at which we hear from what we need the most, truth and hope. And when we fill our lives with time with him, hear me please, he fills our lives with passion, purpose, and the resurrection power of his son, Jesus. So we have to have clear minds 
to take care of our salvation because there's an enemy that's going to confuse it and lie about it. And we must be sober. We must stop getting drunk on all the things of this world and pain people to get us drunk. Thirdly, we must take care of our prayer life. When's the last time you talked to your spouse about taking care of your prayer life? Fourthly, we must take care of our love for others. Peter says in verse 8, Look there with me. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We must take care of our love for others because I think in our society, we are focused maybe just a little bit too much on how to love ourselves, how to protect ourselves, how to find comfort for ourselves, what, it, what we need. It's all about us. It's all about what we're doing, what we want to do. And Peter is challenging you and me and those that have ears to hear that we must take care of our love for others because that love covers over a multitude of sins. Notice the words above all love in this verse. The culture we live in today has perverted this. Just leave these words on the screen. The culture we live in today makes it sound like this. Hear it. Above all, here's what culture says. Above all, love each other deeply because love justifies every form of sin. It's your truth. People of God, please hear me this morning. Be clear on love. Love is not acceptance of sin. Love is embracing the sinner. Love is a God who loves so much that he sent his son that whoever would believe in him would turn away from sin and give their life to him. Peter says this is so important. Please catch it. He says, verse eight, above all, love each other. Say that word, deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Take care of your love for others. Now, please hear these next words. In our society, there's so much hatred. There's so much word bashing. And unfortunately, some of the most hateful things that are being said and some of the most Vicious word bashing going on is coming from Christians and it's time to stop. It's time to stop. So hear me this morning. If you find more hatred than love for those that you think represent everything that is wrong with the world, then we have a place of repentance, needed repentance in our hearts today. Friends, hear me, please. We are not called to be prejudiced with love. We are called to love in such a way that love outshines and covers the sins that are so prevalent in this world. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time together today. Peter offers us three things that truly embody. This is our second goal. How we are to live a life defined by love. A love that covers over a multitude of sins. The first thing is this, hospitality. If you're taking notes, write it down. Verse 9, offer, say that word hospitality to one another, I love this, without grumbling. Hospitality to, to us today is frantic sweeping. I'll never forget our daughter's first year birthday party. It's a half hour before her birthday party and we're painting the ceilings of the kitchen. 
Why, why are we painting the kitchen ceilings? Hospitality to us is frantic painting, sweeping, cleaning, and snack sharing. But Peter's calling us deeper today. He's saying hospitality to the, to, to pe- the people he was writing to, what, they understood it as a way of life. And here's what we need to remember. The first 200 years of the church after Jesus' death were in homes. They were in homes. And, and, and the church grew, rapidly grew, not because of church buildings, but because of homes, because of hospitality. It was a way of life. It was a lifestyle. Last week, the news stations here in Fort Wayne were warning of an apocalypse coming to Fort Wayne. Some of you might remember that last week. It was just a major storm. Now, when I came to church on Wednesday morning, we were kind of preparing for the storm later that day. And I was thinking, get as much done for the weekend so that you're ready if the storm comes to help with storm relief after, after the storm. But our staff team, specifically three of our incredible female leaders, Alexis Wilson, that's right, Nancy Lemming, and Ashley Linney, I came in and I'm like, they're like, okay, Paul, we have an idea. Now, whenever three women come to you and they, that's the first thing they say, no, no, they said, we should open our doors to the community. And when this storm comes, we should offer to our entire city open doors to our basement for people to weather the storm. Isn't that amazing? And so I'm just going to say it right now. Hospitality is messy. It's inconvenient. It's opening the doors of your life, opening the doors of your church, inviting people in, knowing that you can't expect or plan what God wants to do with a hospitable heart. I'm so proud of our team. I'm so proud that if anything that we did last week, we showed our community that we have open doors for all people. So if we are to live a life of hospitality, we are to open up our homes. We are to open up our lives and open up our schedules. I'm just going to say this because I know it about us in our culture. We're so busy. We're so busy. Like we don't even have time to wave to people. I'm a waver. I wave to people. We're so busy. People can't even wave back. Like there goes another non-waver. Man, I'm going to keep trying. Slow down your life, friends. Look at me. Slow down your life. Open up your life. Be available and watch God use you to touch others' lives. So if we are to live a life of hospitality, we open up our homes, our lives, our schedules. It gets a little messy. I'm going to say this and I hope we hear it. Don't judge from a distance. Hospitality is in in essence at the core is loving people from your home. The opposite of hospitality is judging others from a distance, but hospitality is bringing people into your home and loving them like Christ. I'll just tell you, I really think the best strategy for the church is not to point people to church, but to invite people into your home and ask them to come with you as you go to your place of worship. That's hospitality. By the way, next weekend is small group Sunday at Avalon. So we, we get to practice being messy together in Avalon's small group Sunday. So I'm going to invite you to come back next Sunday and get messy with us. Be hospitable, do life with others, and watch Christ work in your life. So first, a life defined by love is a life of hospitality. Secondly, it's a life of service. Verse 10, each of, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Your life is not about you. It's about serving others. We see this 
as Paul the Apostle shares in Romans, each one of us, when we give our life to Christ, we are given gifts. The Apostle Paul says, Romans 12, verse 6 and 7, according to the grace given to each of us, we have different gifts. Just, just hear these words. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Verse 7, if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So Peter is saying, if you're to live a life defined by love, you must be hospitable and you must serve and make your life about others and not about you. Peter says, using your gifts, look at the words on your screen, be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Give your life away for others. Now, this is the final characteristic of a life defined by love, and it's this, truth sharing. If you're taking notes, you'll want to write that down. The third characteristic of a life defined by love is truth sharing. Opening up your life is hospitality, being available, not shutting the doors and making life all about you, but making it about others, and then serving others with your gifts, and then sharing God's truth with your community. Peter says this, verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So hear me, whether you are speaking with words from your lips or in the actions of your feet, some of the best messages are messages with no words. Do it in such a way that it points back to God. Look at this. So that the verse, verse on your screen, live this way, live a life defined by Love, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. I'm even getting a beep for that one. That's a good thing. <laughs> to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. All God's people said, amen. That's what this is about. So let's review. We're going we're gonna to go back. First, we started with how to take care of our salvation. That's the first goal, right? And then the second goal is how to live a life defined by love. So this is quiz time. Are you ready? We're going to see how you guys did. To live a life where we're taking care of our salvation first, we must take care of our mind. Good job. Secondly, we must take care of our sobriety. You guys, give yourself a high five. I just made that up in the moment. That's a high five to yourself. Thirdly, if you were to take care of your salvation, you must take care of your prayer life. When's the last time you thought about your prayer life and how you're caring for it? Number four, if we are to take care of our salvation, we must take care of our love for others. If we are to live a life defined by love, one where our love will cover over a multitude of sins in our community, three things. We are first to be hospitable. We are to open up our lives and our homes. We are to be messy. We are to be inconvenienced. And we are to be about others coming into our home and into our lives. Number two, if we are to live a life defined by love, we are to live a life of service. Yes. And number three, we are to live a life of truth sharing, sharing the very words of God. We are not called to use this to bash people over the head with this like a good game of whack-a-mole. We are called to live with this and embrace this, that when God brings people into our life, we can show them Christ through gentleness and respect. Truth sharing. 
It's that kind of life that we're going to see in this next video. But before we watch this video, I'd invite you to pray with me. Just bow your heads. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you made it clear to us that we are to live a life full of the power of Jesus's resurrection. And that is a life of hope. And so God, I pray that we'd go from this place and we would reevaluate how we're caring for our salvation. That we would do the honest and hard work of evaluating how we're living a life of either love or of hatred. Let us not go back to what was, but let us live in who we are in your work for us on the cross and your victory over the grave. Some of you this morning, maybe you've heard or you, you feel like it's, it's time, you're ready to give your life, that you've lived for too long in, in the ways of the world, you've lived too long in the drunkenness of the things that this world provides and you're ready to give your life to Christ. And you're ready to say, I want to live a life defined by love. You can do that this morning. You can make that decision. I'm going to just uh, offer you a chance to raise your hand and say, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. You can just raise it wherever you're at and just look at me. Raise your hand and look up at me if you could. You want to give your life to Christ today. You want to say, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to live a new life. Just raise your hand. There's one in the back. Yes. Anyone else? Just raise your hand so I can see it. There's one in the back. If you did raise your hand and you made that decision today, you can pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I give you my life. For the rest of us, God, I pray that we would be clear on our salvation, on how to care for it, and that we'd be clear on how to live a life defined by love. We love you, and we pray this in your precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Watch this video, a life exemplifying the message today. My name is Chris Foxworthy, and I've been coming to Avalon since the 1st of February of 2022. I was a firefighter for 10 years and an EMT. Um, during that time, um, I had a pretty bad call, um, and we had a small child that we had to um, pull out of a pond, and things didn't work out the way, way that we thought it would. Um, that was really hard on me. It, um, but my fire chaplain um, was able to help me see a way through that, help me through that, and um, kind of open the door for me to start going to church. My daughter Abigail, when um, she was born, um, was a miracle in itself. Um, she um, had a blood condition and had to have 11 in utero blood transfusions. Um, and so she had to be taken down um, her and her mother had to go down to Cincinnati to the Children's Hospital there, and we were living in Fort Wayne. And so there was a lot of back and forth, um, money become really thin. We uh, finally got accepted into the Ronald McDonald House, and um, I was able to listen to um, a couple different pastors there that would come on Sundays. And um, it just in increased, increased my thought or increased, you know, my, my want, want to find a relationship with God. Finally, uh, Abby finally was able to uh, come home from the hospital, from the NICU, and uh, we finally had all the kids home. And 
So I got up early that morning. I was excited. Um, and so I was gonna fix a big breakfast for everybody. And uh, <clears throat> I got up, I had a pound of bacon cooking in the, uh, in a big frying pan. And, and on the monitor, Abigail had woke up. And so I went, up, went in the room, was playing with her and cooing and, and having fun. And I smelled that the bacon was burning. So I, I ran into the kitchen. I grabbed the pan and went to go set it in the sink. And unfortunately, the faucet was facing towards me and I didn't see it with the pan. And so as I, as I went to go set the pan in the sink, it had flipped all the, uh, the bacon grease in the air and it had landed on my arm and I had received uh, second and third degree burns all the way up my arm and um, was taken to the burn center. And uh, there they, they had to give me quite a bit of um, opioid pain medication um, for the procedures and for the dressing changes. And after being on it for so long, unfortunately they the pain medicine took over my life. So the next thing I know, I was, I was, you know, living a functional life, but highly addicted to pain medicine. And um, I was, it's, it starts to numb, numb things. It starts to numb feelings. And, and I wasn't being the husband I should have been. I wasn't being the father I should have been. I was skipping out on, on doing family activities because I'd rather sit at home. Um, and Unfortunately, things ended up not working out and um, she ended up uh, filing for divorce and we separated. And at that point, I felt like I had, I had lost all purpose. I had lost anything and everything that made me who I was. Um, and also, um, in, in all that, in that time, I had lost my nursing career. And so I was, I was, le I was left just a shell of a person. At that point, I was completely at a loss of what to do or how to go about life. And um, one Sunday morning, I, I woke up and I just, I knew I had somewhere I had to be. Um, so I got up, I got a shower, um, got dressed and, and jumped in the car and, and took off. Not really having anywhere in particular that I was heading, I just know I was going. And I, I pulled up to the light um, there at Lower Huntington and Airport Expressway, and I looked over and saw Avalon and pulled in the parking lot uh, and found myself walking in, um, got a cup of coffee and, and sat down and I had saw, saw a familiar face um, and it was Paul Maurer. And um, I was like, oh, you know, that's neat. Like, he goes to church here, that's cool. And and so I sat down and, and he ended up going up on stage and announcing that he was the, that he was the lead pastor. And so I thought, you know, oh, wow, this, this should be good. So, so I sat and listened to what he had to say and I was on my, the edge of my seat the entire time. And, and that was probably the best cup of coffee I've ever had. Um, so that whole, the whole coming week, all I could think about was, was man, I, I can't wait till Sunday as I get another cup of coffee. And, 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 and just listen. And when I came, when I came that next Sunday, uh, Paul, um, I came in and, and he welcomed me and, and, and sat me down. And, and, and to my surprise, we, there, was a guest, there was a guest speaker that Sunday. Um, and the guest speaker was my old fire chaplain. And 
that's when they that's when they announced that that that, that was their new home church was Avalon, and I, I just it was too big of a coincidence at that point for me. Um, and so I, I felt like I was home. Developing a relationship with God is nothing that I ever thought it was going to be, but it's everything I knew I ever needed. There is too many coincidences to. Um, for me not to think that God wasn't in my life or wasn't, hadn't been working in my life and didn't have me at Avalon for a reason. Um, and so on Easter Sunday, I decided that I was gonna get baptized. And it was that, that one of the most profound and amazing choices that I've ever made. Um, when I came up out of the water, I've never felt water that was so heavy. I've never um, felt water that was that had that much meaning it, it it just lapped off me it fell off me and, and, and there was so much self-hate so much just despair that that was just fell off me that day um and i i was able to to hold my held up i was able to to know that I wasn't alone anymore. I was able to know that I didn't have to do life alone anymore. That with God by my side, that you know, I, had a, I had a friend, that I had a partner, that I had strength. If, if you need hope, if you need a new way to live, if you wanna do things the right way and be able to live a life that's full of joy, then I encourage you to keep going. I encourage you to keep coming. I encourage you to, to, to get into any type of group or, or study the Bible in any way that you can. That it's, it's so sweet. Once you, once, you once you finally taste that honey and you taste, you taste the sweetness, it's, you're gonna keep coming back. You're gonna want more. Um, it it's really is what love is. It's the, the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life and I know that it's not just for me it's for everyone and I just encourage you to to try and and, and show up and when it catches hang on because the ride is amazing let's stand together would you just everyone stand with me hear these words from the Apostle Paul this is from Romans 15 13 he shares may the God of hope fill each and every one of you with hope with, with his grace. Man, I messed that up. I'm going to start it over again. You know what? I, I'm in the works, y'all. I'm in the works. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give God another round of applause. We love you. God bless you. See you soon.